Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Interstate Batteries has been a proud supporter of the Sportsman's Nation since day one. With over 200,000 locations throughout the U.S. and offering 12,000 different types of batteries, stop into your local Interstate Battery store today and let them help you find the right batteries for your everyday life. My name is Clay Newcomb and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. On this episode, we're in Cody, Wyoming at the office of Joe Condellis, the founder of the Western Bear Foundation. We have a intriguing conversation about why bears are amazing critters, the history of bears in the West. Also, we talk a lot about grizzly bear conflict and mitigation that's going on right now in the very complex issues of the grizzly bear world in the West. And hey, check out the Western Bear Foundation. These guys are doing a lot out West. And hey, if somebody doesn't stand up and say that as big predator managers and hunters and people that utilize the wildlife-related commodities of big predators, if somebody doesn't speak up for us, then nobody's going to. And the anti-hunting community is going to have the first rights to the narrative of big game hunting and, and specifically large predator hunting. People like Joe Condellis and the Western Bear Foundation are putting action into our narrative of why we're the good guys, why we care about wildlife, and why that we want to continue on with the ancient and honorable tradition of hunting large predators and managing the landscape for the betterment of all wildlife, all at the same time of us enjoying hunting and loving the challenge of it. 
and taking some satisfaction in getting to hunt big predators. You're going to enjoy this podcast. Welcome to the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. We are again in Cody, Wyoming. Colby and I are heading back from our Montana hunt, and I just met a guy for the first time that I feel like I've known for a long time. That's because a true we have. Statement. Yes, because it is bizarre that we've never met face to face. Yeah, uh, I feel like you can develop relationships over phone and email that are almost like you've known each other for twenty yeah. years. Yeah, and never exactly. met. Exactly. So that's that's what's happening today. I've got Joe Condellis with me, or we're we're in his office here. Yeah, yeah, Cody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so let me, I'll give a introduction to you just a little bit, but then I'm gonna hand yeah. over to you to give a, a better introduction. But Joe is the Joe is the founder of Western Bear Foundation. Is that an Correct. accurate statement? Yep. So that's part of what this podcast is going to be. We're going to hear about the Western Bear Foundation. We're gonna. I want to. I want Joe to go into detail of the of the the grizzly situation. I mean, we're at we are at the heartthrob place for all this controversy about grizzly bears. You're sitting about oh, you know, fifty miles from the park right here. Everything that's grizzly bear related that is basically stemmed out of this range right, right. here. It's, it's you're just, you're in the hub. I'm in the hub. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is like the hot topic of our time right now mm-hmm. for large predator management, and there, it's such a complex issue. And uh, so I want to hear from you because yeah. your foundation is doing so much inside of that. Um, but before we do that, tell me. So I met you years ago. When I had started the Arkansas Black Bear Association, yeah. that's when I that's contacted a long you. Long time ago, yeah, like probably 2011 or something. Yeah. Now, when did when did the Western Bear Foundation officially? Start? We got our 501c3 status in like oh, well, it was in 2010. But we okay. got we kind of were loosely trying to build this thing up to where we were federally in like oh seven, oh six, oh seven. Okay, so uh, yeah, well, but in in. 10 and 11 that's what i remember messaging you on facebook mm-hmm. because i saw hey this guy's starting yeah. a bear association out west and i was doing a similar kind of thing in arkansas at the time and yep. so i remember reaching out to you and it probably wasn't it was it was sometime later that we really connected more when i got into bear hunting magazine for sure um but uh but just for information's sake members of the western bear foundation receive a copy of bear hunting magazine yeah and it's been that's a huge part of our membership like people want something you know they want to support a great cause but they also want something in return and yeah i mean we're a bear hunting organization conservation and hunting but what a better thing to offer them like we can't afford to put out a publication we don't know what we're doing when it comes to that so it was just like reached out to clay right away and was like hey would you guys be interested in doing this and so Basically, Bear Hunting Magazine is our subscription that our members get, you yeah. know, so it's, yeah. a, it's a huge value for them. Yeah, right on. Well, it's been a great relationship for us, and um, so to get into, well, let me even take it a further further step back. Tell me about your, I mean, you're, you're a businessman here, you're, uh, you're a hunter. Yeah. What was your intrigue with bears? <laughs> that that hooked you into this. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy story, but 
You know, I grew up hunting in southwest Montana, grew up in Butte. Um, okay. Uh, family of hunters. Uh, my grandpa came over from, he was in Minnesota and moved, his whole family grew up there and they moved out to Montana and, and you know, my dad grew up hunting and, and everyone grew up hunting, but no one in our family was really bear hunters. They were strictly at that time, my grandpa was subsistence hunting, you know, they, right. they needed the meat. Hunting and then, deer and elk. Yep. Just for yep. food on the table. And, and my dad, you know, kind of really, I grew up, you know, at a young age being out with my dad, but we never really bear hunted much. And, uh, I just kind of went through the motions through, you know, junior high and high school, going out deer hunting, elk hunting, and just always thought, man, it'd be really cool to get a bear one day. Well, at that time, you know, in the early 90s in, in southwest Montana, at least, I would say bear hunting hadn't really taken on the space that it is now. Yeah. It's a lot more popular. Yeah. Um, so there was very few people that did it well. And, um, so it was just kind of an unknown thing. And we were in high school and me and my, the the guy that I actually co-founded this organization with, uh, uh, Joe Kambik, uh, we always wanted to kill a bear. We we wanted to Mm. figure it out and Mm. we didn't know what we're doing. We could drive now. So we would putz around the hills in in the spring and the sun, you know, early summer, because it ended June 15th where we grew up trying to find bears and didn't have a clue, you know, just hunting bears like we we would elk hunt, you know, park yeah. on a ridge and go and... Um, park so, on a ridge and bugle at them? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it didn't work, did like, it? I, don't, I can't find... We couldn't find <laughs> bears to save our life and uh, just didn't really know anyone to show us around. And I, it, this is a long story short, but we, we were together and he got his first bear in, oh... Mid nineties, I can't remember. We were just out of high school, and I was just like, "Oh my gosh, uh, this is amazing!" And so it kind of became a quest. He's a little bit older than me, so he got to get first shot. Yeah. So then it became a quest for me to get one, and we're still pretty new. And I finally got one, and in, in that day, what year was that? Ninety-seven, maybe. Okay. Ninety-eight, ninety-seven, ninety-eight. Okay. I think. Maybe maybe later. Gosh, I'd have to look. Um, that that changed me. As far as, like, I actually shot one, then never found it. Mm. I shot two bears before I and didn't recover them. Wow. And it was just devastating to me. You know, mm. like, I'm not going to figure this out. And then when I ended up finally harvesting one, it was actually in the in early 2000, I ended up harvesting one beautiful chocolate bear uh, in a place where I grew up in southwest Montana hunting deer and elk. And, and it was just a pristine high mountain meadow. Hiked in there, and that thing was just out in the middle, chowing down on these white flowers, and it was just mm. like that was meant to be, and the color yeah. that I always wanted. And from that day on, I just have been fascinated by not hunting them. It's the knowledge of bears that I yeah. feel like has driven me to the point where I'm at now. It's like no one, you know, a lot of people really don't understand a lot about bears. Right. So I started just diving into it, and and the more I started looking and trying to teach myself about bears' habits, biology, you know, just the total ecology of everything surrounding bears, I kind of was like, man, there's just really not a lot of information out there aside from other hunters. Right. And a lot of bear hunters are not in this part of the country. I don't know about where you guys are at, but they're not very good at sharing information because their bear spots are like, you know, that's gold. Yeah. You know, that's sacred. Yeah. So I thought, man, we kind of would be nice if there was a group out there to help people out that was in my same shoes, not having a clue. And then also, there just wasn't a group out there really focused on bears. And I, we had talked about it for years, Joe and I joking, God, wouldn't that be cool if there was a bear found it? You know, something for bears and bear hunters out west. Yeah. 
did some research. I'm like, gosh, Michigan's got a strong one. Wisconsin, there's strong right, groups. Yeah, West yeah. Virginia, and we're like, we could do something like that. But man, I'm a business student, and he's a game warden, so we're like, I don't know how to put something like this together, and it just ate away at me. I moved down here in 05, down into Cody for for work, and it was just still driving me crazy. And then when I moved here, it really it propelled me even further because now I'm on the the grizzly bear scene. You're down right here. in the middle of it, right in the middle, yeah. and I'm just seeing, man, there's no work done for black bears. Everyone knows if a grizzly bear takes a crap anywhere from the west coast to here, we know. <laughs> yeah. Well, we couldn't tell you. I mean, the state of Wyoming and Idaho hardly know um, how many bears are in their state. Yeah, so I'm like, that's not right for black bears. So yeah. let me let me stop you right there to go back to something you said that ties into that. Is that people? You made a statement that generally people don't really know that much about bears. They don't, and that's true. And you know the 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 outdoor media revolution of the last let's say 25 years since outdoor television came on, people started learning about whitetails, learning yeah. about elk. I mean, the average whitetail hunter can tell you more about the biology and habits of a whitetail deer than probably an expert whitetail hunter could have in the 1960s. That's a you, true You know what statement. I'm saying? I mean, just yep. the average guy, like my 10-year-old son, probably knows more like head knowledge about whitetail deer yeah. than an expert hunter in in 1960s. I mean, just like information. We have just, so much more information. And that's exactly what I found and was the reason that we – did what we did was i was in arkansas and it was like nobody cared about bears nobody knew about bears Mm -hmm. and they were it was and it was exact it was it's funny to hear you tell your story because that's just like mine i was just like i killed a bear massively intrigued by it yeah and joe when i the first bear i killed was in 2001 yeah and and i've been a whitetail hunter and when i walked up to that bear I realized that I knew nothing about it. It's crazy. I mean, you know, yeah. I, it was just this magnificent animal. Yeah. Incredible animal. And and I realized that I knew nothing about it. Yep. And and that the, the hunt to me felt hollow. Yeah. That's the way I described it. I was 21 years old and I was just like, this, I mean, it, it wasn't like I did something wrong, but I was like, this isn't right. I, I need to learn about mm-hmm. this animal. And that set me on a quest to learn everything I could about black bear and they're yeah. an incredi- incredibly unique animal the biological strategies they use are crazy it, you know just all this stuff but anyway so and it's true i'm overly biased because to me they're the most fascinating animal on the planet bears in general um their, their willingness to adapt to any environment i was very similar when i shot that bear it had, it had taken me multiple years to finally put my hands on my bear and right. i think it was like that whole struggle and not knowing and like slowly learning that was really just like i mean when i shot my first elk it wasn't like a that big of a struggle or deer it's just like wow this is a big deal it was monumental for me yeah. and just like wanting to know so much more and not having information because like there wasn't a lot of that stuff out there you know social media and the right. the hunting television was not like it is today to where you can even learn and then just like you said no one cared about bears i mean right. until not that long ago in wyoming you got a bear with your elk you got a bear tag with your elk tag and they're like kill them yeah you know they didn't have yeah. any respect for them they just thought they were a predator and to yeah. me that's that's tragic you know like we yeah. do so much and 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 it's right we do so much for ungulates in in the west and we need to but 
there's a whole nother piece to the equation in black bears that just get left out. And that made me sick to my stomach for so many years. And I just saw it one day and I'll never forget the time. And I was like, screw it. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. I was just like, it ate away at me for so long thinking, I, I feel like I have to do this just to be like in 10 years, if it doesn't work out, I tried, you yeah. know, like, and, and give it a shot just for me personally, like give it a shot. And I was sitting in, standing in the shower one day and I was just like, to hell with it. We're doing it. And I called him and tried to come up with the name at that time. We were the Yellowstone country bear hunters association, right. which didn't really give us much, uh, arena other than around yellowstone park but at that time we thought that was the right way to go but you know fast forward to now we're the western bear foundation doing everything we can in the west so right right it was a long a long slog up to that but i think being like you being around them and just being fascinated you find a passion point in life sometimes that you're just like you never knew you were going to have like five five years before doing that hunt and shooting that bear i I never in a million years thought right. i'd be here today talking to you about a foundation yeah and you, your magazine and what you did with the arkansas black bear fund it may just it, it's beyond me but sometimes in life things like that happen and i was like you know we got to do something and yeah it's been incredibly successful um slow and i'm an impatient guy like i want everything to be like now and so that's been a struggle for me we're all volunteers, so that's a struggle too. Right. Um, a lot of work on the volunteers, and you can only grow as fast as your, you know, money is a big thing. You know, when it comes to these foundations, oh, yeah. it's all money. So yeah. you know, we're doing the best we can. But now I know that growth. you you have dealt with and asked questions to some of these bigger foundations. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, uh, I mean, you've tried to model this. I mean, give me the kind of give me the architecture of the Western Bear Foundation and kind of. Even just as simple as what your mission is, mm-hmm. some of the things you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, so we tried to, you know, not knowing anything about running a foundation or an organization, a nonprofit, we we had to look at the ones that were successful. And, and yeah. the biggest one to us in the West was Rock Mountain Elk Foundation. You look at what they did and similar thing. A bunch of guys got together that are super passionate about elk and they created something that's a monster now and it's yeah. done so much good for for elk in the country um so we're like well let's model it similar to that you know we'll be membership driven to raise funds to do projects on the ground yeah initially when we started joe and i said that in order to ensure that we're doing it for the right reasons no one's getting paid for this yeah so for for us that was really important in the beginning because as you and not every group's like this, but when money starts changing hands, people start doing things sometimes for the wrong reasons. And for us, yeah. it had to be about the bears and bear hunters. So we always said, you know, no one's going to get paid for this. Now we're getting to a point where we might have to do something like yeah. that and change a little bit. But um, so we tried to do it like the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation where we had a board and, and we don't really have chapters, but we thought, right. you know, that would be somewhere where we'd want to go. And initially we were just going to focus on Montana, Idaho and Wyoming, Idaho and Wyoming, because that's where a lot of the grizzly bear issues were. And, um, the largest amount of black bears, you know, in the West, in these three States. So we thought we'd stay there. And, you know, over the years we've, as we've went to Western bear foundation, now we're doing work and our actual first chapter is going to be formed in Washington state. Really? Believe it or not. Yeah, we got a guy over there and some really passionate hunters over there that want to start a chapter. They're writing all the bylaws right now. Right on. Nice. So we'll have our first chapter in Washington State, and I think it's just going to make it a lot easier for us to have a, a Montana chapter, an Idaho chapter, because right now I kind of manage the three with people in each state to help me out. Like, hey, what can we get to this? Can we do this? And 
and you know working closely with the the state agencies that manage our bears and manage our hunting seasons we do a lot of that but a lot of that falls on me right now so divvying these up into chapters will will take a lot off of me and make it a little bit easier for me to do some of the administrative stuff that takes up a lot of time you know so that's kind of how we're set up now um we do have memberships um, most of our money raised is through like raffles and, and grants. I'll write right. grants for, for projects on the ground. And that's what we're really probably the most proud about right now is the grant work and the, the projects we're doing on the ground. I mean, for being small, this year we'll do over $30,000 for projects on the ground. Okay. And that's all just fundraising. What's an raffles. example of a project, Joe? One of uh, what we've done in the past a lot of is conflict mitigation. So okay. um, we do uh, in the state of Wyoming, we've done a lot of bear boxes, and, okay. and you'll see them on the national forest in Wyoming, and, and especially where we have grizzly bear use, we have to have boxes, bear-proof storage containers on in campsites. Okay. So it keeps bears out of food. It re, you know it, it mitigates habituation to human yeah, foods, yeah. and then it keeps bears out of trouble. And, and our motto has always been, you know, the more bears we keep on the landscape. That's more for hunters, photographers, just anyone to enjoy. Yeah. We don't want to see bears getting taken out, management actions, because they're they're habituated to food or yeah. they're causing problems. You know, that's one less for us to enjoy. What's the what's the what's the mission statement of Western Bear Foundation? To protect and develop bears and bear hunting in the Western United States. Okay. Yeah. In in short, you know. Yeah. So we've kind of went from being super focused on hunting rights, you know, like initially on we're like we got to make sure we have our rights as hunters and we're still really focused on that like we're doing a lot of work especially in the last year with this bear bait ban but what we've done the most lately is conflict mitigation stuff on the ground to ensure a future for bears in the west and and keeping bears out of trouble um so we do the bear boxes up in montana we've been doing a lot of bear fences on the rocky mountain front and those fences are are electric electrified fences that go around chicken coops um lambing pins any of that that keeps the grizzly bears out um man that's a perfect a prime example of hunters truly showing their the the intent of why we do what we do mm-hmm. it's not just to go out and kill all no. the bears we want animals on the landscape that's been so important to us to be a hunting group doing these projects because right now in montana we have a few anti-hunting groups funding a lot of these projects and to us that was there's a hunting group now that can do that now granted we don't have the money that some of these groups are i won't name names but um we're slowly breaking into that where it's like hey we can buy the bear-proof garbage cans for the Anaconda Township in Montana. They got a lot of bears. Like, maybe we can do that now. And, and yeah. rather than it be an anti-hunting group, now we have a pro sportsman, a pro, a hook-and-bullet club like buying these, these dumpsters. Like and so, That's real cool. You know, so much of what we're doing now, Joe, inside the outdoor industry, it seems, is that we're, we are doing a better job at showing the intent of conservation-based hunting. Yes. Like, because the narrative for the anti-hunting community is that we're just bloodthirsty guys that want to go shoot stuff with our guns. Yes. And so I really like, I, I like what you're doing because it's, it's on the ground, actually doing the work, mm-hmm. showing people. Yeah. Showing people that, hey, we are, you know, trying to reduce bear conflicts so that these bears don't have to be euthanized when they come into this camp. You know, we're it's exactly like what I mean, it's, we but thought. it's 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 the the it's a philosophical position that I like. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's yeah. I think what we're trying to do too is make it that you know bear hunters, and I don't have to tell you this, or, or 
very much maligned in the in in the United States when it comes to all hunters in general. I think right. predator hunters get the worst rap bottom of the side from trappers and they've got a really bad rap which we support trapping and everything but it's an effort too to try and like change the way people look at bear hunters and if they look at a group like the western bear foundation that's out here and it's like well they are a hunting based group but gosh this year we're spending twenty thousand dollars on collars in the state of wyoming to put on black bears so we can do a population study you know there's not been another group that's that's anti-hunting or anything that's even approached a department and said we want to do this this is a hunting group that's doing it's hunters that are doing this yeah. and that's that's to benefit everyone and you know we might not agree with some anti-hunters but we're going to put more bears out there so you can go take pictures or you can just walk around and enjoy yeah. it and, and and that's important to us you know well, we got to manage for sustainability what's wild we were just talking with jim sessions over here and uh and he was talking about and, and maybe you could add to this about how many bears right now. He said this morning, driving from his house, he saw two game and fish trucks with bear traps. Yeah, and they're going to they're going to somebody's house that has a bear problem. Yep, they're going to catch that bear. And there's a certain point when these bears have to be put down. Yeah, and so it's like, so just in in theory, we could say maybe that, and you may know the exact numbers, but let's just say there's X number of bears being euthanized by government officials because mm-hmm. these bears get in trouble. Yep. I mean, are, are are we saying as sportsmen, hey, why don't we have a managed hunt? Yep. 18 bear quota, a, a yeah. female quota. I mean, just something so minuscule that it, it would have basically it would have very it would have zero net effect on the population truly. It's true. But it would but a hunted population of animals Acts so much differently, and you tell me. Oh yeah, they act so much differently than an unhunted group of animals. Anyway, what I guess what we're saying is, hey, let sportsmen Manage. take these twenty bears a year out that have to be taken out. It's going to generate funds. It's, I mean, it's all these Sports. positive things that we'll are going to happen. We'll pay to manage the resource, and 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 it's been it's been a really crazy five or six years with this grizzly bear deal because we went from. Having them delisted, and I think it was oh nine, and they got the court ruling, put them back on the list. The 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 hey, give it, give us just for somebody that knows nothing of this. Yeah, and some people back east that listen to this podcast don't. Yeah, so the 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 grizzly bear in the lower forty eight yep. in the United States was on the endangered species list. Yes, if it's on the endangered species list, it cannot be hunted. It cannot be there's, hunted. There's qualifications for what an animal, biological qualifications that you know indicate whether an animal should be on that list when it when those qualifications i mean like when a certain number or recovery quote unquote is established yeah then that animal can be taken off of the endangered species list all endangered species are managed by the federal government that's correct but when they're off the endangered species list they could be managed at a state level which so is essentially what would happen is if the grizzly bear in the lower 48 were taken off the endangered species list, they could be managed by Idaho, Montana, Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And these states manage through hunting, basically. Yep. And so then these bears could be hunted. That's the that's like the super condensed version yeah. for somebody that knows nothing about this. Yeah, and it's what we've really tried to shoot for is state management, right? Because right. the people that have recovered the bear are primarily state 
agency people. Right. They're right, the biologists right. in the, Wyoming was tasked with managing their bears under the federal government. We receive a very small amount of money, but upwards to the tune of forty million that was spent on out of Wyoming's budget to manage these I things. See. We we spent the majority of the money to bring the bears back from the brink. We we've bought well we've got one of the best staffs as far as conflict mitigation we've got a recovery team we got guys out there every day that are doing grizzly bear stuff right. and so does montana and so does idaho so we funded this recovery and now the time comes to re- delist them and put them into state control and we're like let's let the people that know this bear the most manage this bear tell us what's good for, for the whole population yep and you know just this recent ruling by judge christensen to basically, he said, you cannot delist a distinct population, which we tried to delist. Well, we being the the, the interagency grizzly bear committee who was super o- oversees the the recovery of the grizzly bear. They tried to delist just the greater Yellowstone bear. Okay. Not the Bob Marshall, not the Northern Continental Divide ecosystem, not the Selway. That's up in Montana. That's up in Montana. So we have okay. we have several distinct greater populations. Yellow, greater Yellowstone ecosystem would include. Wyoming, parts of southwest Montana, and parts of southeast Idaho. Correct. Okay. Yep. And so they tried to just delist that, and the the judge says, amongst a few other things, he said, you can't do that because we don't know what effect that's going to have on the other populations. And they said, well, they proved everything basically in their paper that said there is no issue with genetic diversity. And, and there, it's, okay. I mean, this is a scientific thing. And he had a couple other things saying that you're not using the most available science to count these things. And so back now we're back on the list and the states are funding this recovery continually. Mm. Why sportsmen are paying for that through tax dollars, through license dollars. But yet we, everyone else gets to enjoy the bear. You know, you get to take pictures of it, sell those photos. You get but a, we can't kill 20 bears a year. Which we've killed. We killed double what the quota was going to be just in management actions. See, okay, mm-hmm. that's that's what I want to talk about. I mean, that's the point I was making earlier. Yep. Is that, so how many, we're killing 40 bears a year? I, it just was make over it that. I don't, it was, it was around okay, there. Okay, so they're, they're euthanizing. Gov, we're paying government people to go out and trap these bears, Trouble bears, and mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure they're doing the absolute best they can to they not are. euthanize them. So I'm not saying they're, but th- those animals could have been. I mean, a, it wouldn't be those specific animals, but basically, hunters would go into wherever they can hunt, kill bears. They would open up more space for these bears that are getting in trouble because they're leaving habitat, going into more fringe habitat, coming exactly. into the city. And so it's like if you take out some of the bears in the core area. It's going to make room for these bears that are now on the fringes. What what Jim told us is he said he said we're seeing grizzly bears here in habitat that they haven't been. No, in, I mean so it's like the the core population of bears is is expanding quite rapidly. Would yeah. you say they and the, and a great analogy that I heard him say many many times is the bucket is full. Yeah, we can only house so many grizzly bears in Yellowstone Park and the surrounding area. And now, as we're you know, as feed, as ungulates, as 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 what they eat moves out of Yellowstone, so do the predators. And now we have so many bears residing outside the park because there's better habitat for them. Um, now we're starting to see this um, bucket of full buckets full mentality. And and when the bucket's full, they got to move because, you know, dominant boars aren't going to live in the same range. Yeah. You know, they're going to either kill each other or, you know, a a young boar's got to move out 
stake his claim somewhere new, and we see that with sows and cubs moving out, you yeah. know, because boars will kill cubs. Yeah. And so they're like, hey, we're out of here. There's a dominant boar running around. We're going to get on the – I mean, we get them right here. Really? Right outside of town. I mean, there was a – Could you take us – I'm not saying that we would do this. Could you take us this afternoon and show us a grizzly bear? Yes. For real? We'd drive up the Norfolk. I, I would 80% guarantee we'd see one. Wow. It's yeah. incredible. And it's – it's it's great. I love seeing them, but like we also have to manage that resource just like we manage everything else. The federal government gets it. U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is on our side. A lot of people think they're not. They wanted them to listed, and okay. we are not hear. a group. And we get a lot of flack for this because we have been pro delist for a long time. But we listen to the people that know what they're talking about. And when the Wyoming yeah. Game and Fish and the Montana Fish, Wildlife and Parks and Idaho Department say we're good. I mean, like, we can hunt a few of these bears. We have to listen to them because we're not scientists. They're the ones tasked with recovering it. And what we want to see as an organization is a sustainable population. Yeah. For 30 years down the road, we have grizzly bears out here in the West, a rugged, wild place that people can come see grizzly bears. But we can also, you know, we can have a little bit of both. People yes. can go hunt them. And there's a small quota, and we're shooting a few bears a year. But we're also managing for sustainability. And what all the hunting seasons that the states put into place, because we had to have hunting seasons, we had to have it all documented, and we actually had draws and everything. In Wyoming, we had draws, and people drew tags. Yeah, people drew tags. They never got drew to hunt. tags. It, it basically the low. They said they could have went over that quota, but they <clears throat> did probably really put it as the low as possible. really low. And they said, you know. If we get to a level where too many bears have died throughout the year and we don't have enough in our threshold, we won't have a season. I'm like, what a better check and balance. We're good. You know, we're yeah. not going to over harvest this thing down to levels that it was when it got put on the endangered species list. Yeah. So the states were really good about it. I, I thought it was a win-win. Um, but here we are today with no. So what what happened was that the the. The grizzly bear was delisted, and this has actually happened mul- multiple times. Yeah. It was officially delisted, yep. and then anti-hunting groups sued the federal government? Yeah, they Who appealed they or sue? sued uh, or U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Uh, and so then it went to a judge in Missoula, and Judge Christensen ruled in favor of them. Let me ask you something about that. Maybe you can say something, maybe you can't. Do you feel like this guy was – was it a just decision? To me, no, and, I, and I'm I'm maybe a little biased. The guy had the lawsuit on his desk for months, months. We got to this deadline where the seasons were going to open in Wyoming. I think it was August fifteenth. These first guys were going to go out and hunt them. He didn't even like see the trial. Didn't even happen in Missoula until like that week, and then he said, "I need more time." You, so you they think it filed was a political. An, kind it of a was. Political. They filed an injunction. To stop the hunt for two weeks. I'm while shaking, he had I'm more shaking time. my head. I want the listeners <laughs> to know this. So he, they filed an injunction. He said, yes. So it stopped the hunt for two weeks. And then it took like two more weeks for him to rule. And he finally said no. So now the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is appealing that in district court, which the district court that it's in, I heard, is not very favorable for us. So I think what we're in wow. now is the same situation with, you know, we're in litigation, which unfortunately – Wildlife should never be managed in a court of. A I saw room. I saw a statistic the other day, and I, I to be honest with you, I can't say if it was with wolves or with grizzlies, but it, it it was a statistic that told the gazillions of dollars that the U.S. government has paid in litigation fees fighting these anti-hunting groups. Yeah, I mean, 
all it takes is for somebody to file a lawsuit and to have big money, which they do. They do. And they can they could tie this thing up in court for that's the end game for them. Decades, for or, or maybe forever. And plus, they have that equal act of justice, which I'm sure you're familiar with, where these groups, if they sue and win, they recoup percentage of their attorney fees from the federal government. Mm-hmm. So that, it's a we need to repeal. We need to get that out of there. But it just seems it just seems so unjust. I mean, even even if you if if you were to just pull out of this planet and go to somewhere else where there was a fair and equal judgment system for human morals and yeah. ethics and were to present this case it would be it's crazy it's crazy and you know a big thing that we've always said that these these organizations stay relevant with their population base that their constituency by lawsuits that's how they stay relevant because if they're not fighting this they can't raise money that's yeah. how they raise money is they're yes. like well grizzly bears are a hot point let's sue Get rid of. We get that and, taken and care of. It's and almost it's like bear-baiting. they really don't even. They, they don't care about the animal. Otherwise, they'd be out no. here with us putting collars on bears, trying yeah. to figure it out. They'd be putting fences up. They don't yeah. care, you know. And we're the ones with no money trying to do all this stuff. And, and that's what's always been frustrating to us is when it comes time to come to the table and do something for bears, no one's to be found. But when it comes time to hunting, it's like everyone in the world has got an opinion. And yeah. none of them are doing anything other than suing. And it's just a publicity stunt for them because, you know, it's grizzly bears. And when it's not grizzly bears, now it's bear baiting. Or and it's cat an incredibly and, easy sell to someone that has no context for conservation-based hunting of North America. Exactly. Which is, the and I mean, every time I open my mouth, I, I say this, but I mean, you know, the reason we have big game is because of hunters. Yes. I mean, we all know that, but but I still don't think people really understand that fully. Well, even hunters don't understand that. But no. non-hunters, not at all. No. Nope. I mean, it's such an easy sell. It's such an easy sell to put up a billboard here. We have Cody one White. right down well, here. Well, I know. I've seen I've seen your social media posts. It drives it. me crazy. I drive ah. by it twice a day. <laughs> That's incredible. It, it's just... Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of it boils down to, like, the as hunters, we're a consumptive user, and we pay for the resource. And and part of that money is back to wildlife management, whether it's to ensure hunting seasons or just to, to do some habitat work on, on a landscape to for better elk habitat, you know. But that's all consumptive money. That's money that hunters are spending. And we got the anti-hunters that basically don't pay a dime to manage – to bring these populations to where everyone can enjoy. And as hunters, we're supposed to feel guilty about hunting. Right. It's like, we're the ones that are bringing this resource back. We're managing it. And, and as hunters, we have to always defend ourselves. You know, I want to stop you right there. A lot of people would know this. Uh, a, a lot of hunters that are kind of in the know, especially if they listen to the meteor podcast, they would know what, you, what we're saying when we say that hunters are paying for conservation. Mm-hmm. I, I referenced the Meteor podcast just because they, they've done some in-depth podcasts about the funding yep. for conservation and whatnot. But what we're talking about is the Robertson-Pittman Act, mm-hmm. which is an excise tax on hunting gear, firearms, and ammunition. Yep. So basically in the 1940s under yeah, was it, Roosevelt know. or somebody um, – no, yeah, it was it – was, uh, Franklin, uh, FDR, FDR, yeah, that's what he's the one that signed it in, I believe. And basically, they said we're going to tax more on hunting, hunting and fishing gear, and uh, and ammunition, firearms, 
that money is going to go into a big fund in the federal government that's going to be distributed to the states for wildlife conservation, for buying land, for, I mean, all this stuff. So that's what we mean when yeah. we say, and I, I think it's, imp- people have got to know that. Joe. I agree. I that's mean, like so the important. guys, the guys in the, I mean, I bet if I polled the average Arkansas hunter that has a hunting license, not mm-hmm. a guy that's really into it. It's just a guy that bought a tag, maybe going to go shoot He doesn't know that. He nope. can't tell somebody that. Nope. So we have a lot of friends that are uh, international that that have no context for hunting, but they know our family, and they know that I make a living in the hunting industry. Yep. And I've had very good conversations with people, and that's a, one of the first things I, I bring up is that, we have paid for wildlife conservation. And, and boy, that rings a bell with people. It's it like, does. huh, so you guys are the only ones that, you know. Basically. Basically. You know, it, when you look at, and Rinell has talked about it, you know, the big mounds of buffalo skulls back east, you know, in the boneyards. And, and there was no wildlife on this landscape in the early 1900s. Yeah. And now we've hit epic uh, populations of deer and elk. You know, and deer always in the west, mule deer <laughs> always an issue. We have more bears now than we ever have. Yeah, that's management black, and continental wide black bear. Yeah, in this region, grizzly bear, grizzly bears, and that's all through management and and hunting dollars. And we've we've managed to bring all these animals to record levels of populations all while hunting them. Absolutely, all while hunting them. Yeah. So nothing. If we take out hunting, there might be a few more, but we know the consequences of that. You know, disease yeah. and just it's wherever an animal has value, and this is an old drum that we beat because it's true. Wherever an animal has cultural value yep it will be protected it'll succeed and and it gains cultural value and has for us and it has worked through hunting you know we value it we want to be able to partake of the resource so we protect it and just take a small little sliver of the population back so that we can have bear rugs and bear steaks one of the biggest things that we've (laughs) we've said for a long time and i heard this in one of a, a a grizzly bear seminar and you know public perception is probably the biggest point right now when it comes to recovery of an animal. And yeah. the grizzly bear, the public perception of the grizzly bear is poor. And I, I've said this for a long time. If you want to create advocates for grizzly bears, hunters are the best advocates, but we got to be able to hunt them. And if you let hunters, you'll start getting guys that are like, I'm the biggest grizzly bear passionate hunter. I'm like that guy. Just like I was with black bears. I see. You know, just like I was with black bears. Pretty soon you're going to have guys out there just like wolves that are like, all I care about is grizzly bears. And you can be damn sure that guy's going to make sure that that grizzly bear is always on that landscape. And he's a hunter. And so you got to create those passion points. And we've got 150 years of history to prove that that's true. Yep. It's not just a guess. No, no. It's since the Native Americans run this landscape, you know, they hunted them. Yeah, well, and, and, and specifically what I'm talking about is Roosevelt and Grinnell and the guys that started the Boone and Crockett Club yeah. that introduced fair chase and, and, and later that rolled into wildlife management. The and North it, American model of conservation. It, it, they, they did that because they hunted them. They, yep. didn't, they didn't do that because they liked to take photos. It's true. They, it's true. <laughs> you take a photo of a bear, I mean, I, I get it. There are people that are truly passionate about bears that all they take yep. is photos. But, man... If you're a bear hunter, you're passionate about bears being there. You are. You want them there. Yeah. And, and and I think it all boils down to one other thing that we have a lot of t- a trouble with in this state, which we're, we're on the beginning stages of trying to do something about it, is, you know, in Wyoming, you don't have to take the carcass. Right. Which, to me, just 
makes it so much easier to to cause problems I hear you. when you're talking to a even with black bear black bear is that right yeah huh. and so See, you know in montana that. you do as you know yep um because you've hunted up there uh you've got to take the carcass and everything in wyoming you can leave the carcass and so it really <clears throat> makes hunters in wyoming regardless if you leave it or not Black bear hunters look like trophy rug hunters exclusively. I see. And so I I didn't those are <clears throat> archaic laws that are not helping the image of hunters in the general eye, the public's eye, that yeah. we have to change. And, they're, they're, you know, we're not going to get that change done easily, and there's going to be a lot of hunters that are going to disagree with us. But, you know, at the end of the day, we have to do something that's going to sustain our ability to hunt bears. And if we look like a bunch of rug-thirsty dudes out there hunting, yeah. that's not good for hunting in general. And yeah. the sport of hunting, and and there's a there's a common misconception about bear meat out here in the West. You know, I've been I've hunted the East, I've hunted Canada bears out there, and that that's prized. Yeah, you know the fat and everything, and out yeah. here it's like, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, well, I'm going to eat it. You know, we butcher all our own stuff, and 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 it's important to us. Yeah, I'm trying to get that message out to other people, like, hey, and if you don't want it, bring it out, and we'll get someone that does. But that's something that I think needs to change out here, and that just lends to that hunters being this evil you know trophy yeah. driven species right right uh, and that and that is our biggest thing and, and for what we've been trying to do at bear Hunting magazine is to change that perception you know to, to yeah to tell a different story to tell a story of of uh the bear is a incredible animal for wildlife related commodities mm-hmm. uh i mean there's just all these uses that you can have for bear and uh and just telling a telling a new story of who the bear hunter is yes you know well and you guys have done a great job with that since you've got that and taken over you can really see that publication is just it's taken huge leaps into that respect of not just being grip and grin articles but you know really explaining what bear hunting is and biology and and you know what to do with the meat and all that stuff i mean it's just been so good and then the podcast and the movies that the video, uh, the the films that you're shooting is all helping that out. And yeah. we needed that as bear hunters. We needed a group or someone that had the ability to put that message out there. Cause yeah. a lot of times as bear hunters, and I've seen this, um, bear hunters tend to be a pretty quiet, like not very, you know, out there group of people, because I think we're always defending what we do. Right. So we tend yeah, to just kind of sit in the back and like, don't bring it up because it's going to be a problem. And so yeah. now to have a group out there like you guys that are just really bringing a, a positive light to bear hunting. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I that is that is important to me is that, you know, the reason that bears are the low-hanging fruit for the anti-hunting community and even misunderstood people that – hunters that misunderstand bear hunting yep. is because of some of the tactics that we have to use yes. to manage bears. Yep. Baiting bears and running hounds. Yep. Those two things, and, and and this is a sad, this is a sad thing to me, is I think there's a lot of hunters today that don't understand the macro picture of the goals of the anti-hunting community that would say we should just give that to them. Yep, they would say it's not important to me. It's such a small little fraction of our hunting, you know, and it's kind of you know there's not a, well there are plenty of other animals that we bait. That oh yeah, it's totally ethical, totally okay fine. To bait whitetail. Oh, everybody in Arkansas bait whitetail. Yeah, people don't know how to quit learn. Like we quit deer hunting whitetail. We we quit being hunters about twenty years ago when Walmart started selling corn in Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, 
I'm I'm joking about myself, but I mean it's yeah. true. Yeah. But point being, to beta bear just yeah. seems so to someone that doesn't understand. They they misperceive how that it's uh, the difficulty of it. They think it's easy. Yeah. They misperceive the motivation. They misperceive the amount of work. They misperceive all this crazy stuff about it. But one thing that I am intently harping on is that the methodology that we use, that our game agencies who want animals to thrive have prescribed in the different regions of the country to hunt bears are there for a purpose, for conservation-based reasons. In Arkansas, if all we had was spot and stalk hunting, there'd be 25 bears killed in the state of Arkansas every year. The bears would... I mean, we would have all kind of problems. We got to bait bears on private land in Arkansas to to harvest the bears you, that we need. You got to manage that resource, and those game and fish managers use baiting and they use hound hunting as a tool in their bucket to manage. Right, that's all it is. That it's not a it's not a way to be like let's kill all these bears. They're like we're not harvesting enough bears. We need to figure out how, and and they do it in Idaho. They do baiting is allowed in Wyoming in certain yeah. parts of the state where yeah. we don't have grizzly bears, and it's a tool. I right. mean, and, and if we got rid of it, we'd have a bunch of guys out there that don't know nothing about bear hunting, spot and stock, and we'd struggle. Yeah, you know. Well, and and what I want to say to the wider hunting community is that the the strategy of the anti hunting communities is incrementalization. Yep. They they want to chip at us piece by piece. So right now they're after baiting hounds all yep. over the country in Maine and different places. Yep. All these associations are are geared towards defending bear associations, Michigan, Wisconsin. Yep. And if we give that to them, then the next thing will the be hounds. next thing will then be it's cats. It's well, and, and then eventually, when my son is thirty five years old, they'll be after him for bow hunt. I mean, it's just like we can't. We we've got nothing left to give the anti hunting community, and we no. need the wider. We need. Anybody who cares about hunting and our way of life in North America needs to help us defend baiting and hounds. That, that's what it's I want to say to people. Ultimately, you hit it on the head because if we give up one thing, one thing, I don't care what it is, we're going to lose it all. And we've stressed it so much. In the bear hunting community, there's decisiveness. There, there's people that are divided. And we get spot and stock guys that'll trash on bait guys yes. because they don't spot and stock hunt and they bait and that's supposed to be easy. And we get bait guys mad at, mad at houndsmen in Idaho because they're rigging off of their baits. I'm like, guys, we are all bear hunters at the end of the day. And yeah. they are like loving this because we're divided in our own ranks. Right, right. And we can't be that way. And, yeah. and we've always said we'll support any hunting organization. We do a lot with non-hunting organizations. We do anything we can because... We know that we're going to need people to come to bat for us one day as bear hunters. And, and you know, we support any, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk called us and said we need to do something with this. Or the sheep, wild sheep said, you know, we're all about wildlife. And it's like yeah. we need that approach to bears. Like all hunters need to look at it and say, I don't yes. hunt bears, but the antis are attacking that. And if we lose that, then it's just going to spiral it, out and, of control. And I think that's the direction we're headed, Joe, as a as a community, you know, just in the last 10 years, we've really had social media. Just in the last, really, five years, podcasts yep. have come up. And podcasts are such an effective way to communicate, even probably more than the written word. Because people can access it. People can hear it. But I, I feel like we're building to this point where the – and let's just – well, let's just say bears in general. But specifically, I'm talking about black bears because we're, we can hunt them. We're adding value to black bear hunting. Yes, 
on a national level, mm-hmm. we're adding value to black bears. People are starting to pay attention. People are starting to go on massive adventures like we've been on out west to go on a do-it-yourself spot and stalk hunt. Guys in Arkansas and Oklahoma are becoming like serious bear hunters. Like all of a sudden, the the, the street cred of the bear is elevating. It's, it is. People are going to start caring about it more. And then we're going to have more of this influx of, wow, we got to defend this if we love it, just like they did with sheep, just yeah. like they did with elk. Now, for those, for those, their problems were they didn't have them. They didn't have the habitat. Our problem is not habitat. Whatever's happening in North America ecologically has been extremely beneficial to black we bears. We've got them in Iowa now. I mean, yeah. habitat yeah. I don't think is an issue. So, so it's so like adaptable. we've got this ripe resource, yep. and we need people to step up to bat. And I mean, we, we my hat right here, Joe, says yep. bear hunter. Yep. I mean, we're trying to build this thing of an identity. It I'm is. a bear hunter. We need that. I'm a bear hunter. We And it, it, basically what you're saying is we need to create advocates. That's we need right. hunter advocates out there, and there hasn't been a lot for bear hunting. As bear hunting gets more popular, it's a double-edged sword. As bear hunting becomes more popular, you got guys that don't like it because now all of a sudden I had the same drainage I would I would bear hunt in. But at the same token, we now have more people that will fight the fight for us. And, we need yeah. to, and we're still so far behind what a lot of these groups are, we got to keep building that out. And that's why it's so important to create advocates for hunting bears. And like I said, bear hunting's popularity has exploded. Yeah. And, and we're kind of on the front of that right now. And we, we're like, we need to build that out because the more people that buy bear tags are advocates for bear hunting, right. you know, and that's yeah. what we need. We, yes. That's our defense mechanism right it, now. It really doesn't. And, you know, talking to you, it's like this idea has grown just even as we're talking, but it almost doesn't make sense that the icon of North American wilderness, the bear, yeah. has not been elevated to this high position yep. of cultural significance in the hunting community. Because nope. the same thing that you experienced here is what I experienced in Arkansas, that we had a world-class resource, and people just didn't really care about it. They, they don't just, care. But that's changing. It is. It, and, it, and it changes when people like us step up and say, wait a minute, yeah. this is awesome. The, yeah. the the foundations of our North American hunting culture yep. were built on bear hunters. I mean, you know, I, I use that phrase a lot, and I, and I didn't make it up. I read it somewhere. Bears, the icon of North American wilderness. It I mean, is. like, and and so many of our pa- the patriarchs of the North American hunting that we know identified themselves as bear hunters, and specifically, I'm talking about Teddy Roosevelt and Daniel Boone, among many others. Yep. They, I mean, they identified themselves. As bear hunters, you know, Boone, I think, killed 50, 155 bears one winter. And, and you were and, a bad dude if you bear hunted back in the yes, days. That yes. You were a man's man. That's right. And I see pictures of, you know, uh, Roosevelt and Buffalo Bill Cody at their hunting lodge up here at Pahaska from the old days, you know, black and white pictures, and they got sheep and elk and stuff and two bears and yeah. like that. It's been going on forever. You know, the... In Arkansas, I read some literature one time, and one author said that it was a status symbol back in the 1800s to have a big bear drying on your barn. Heck yeah! I mean, it was like <laughs> it was like man that, and, and it was it was deeper than just you know like ego. He killed a big bear, but if you killed a big bear back in 1837. Man, you had enough lard for the winter. Yeah. You had enough meat for the winter. You had warmth with the rug. You had a heck of a rug that you yeah. could either sell or keep. Yeah. I mean, like, it was a status symbol. It, it was, was. It was like having a Porsche parked in front of your house, you know? <laughs> it's a I mean, big deal. It, that, we, but that's, that's the 
and and I think what I've kind of discovered, and I think it's kind of it's maybe interesting that I'm from Arkansas, a place that people nationally wouldn't know as a bear no, state. No, but it's kind of cool because Arkansas was once known as the bear state, but more importantly than that, from what we're trying to do from a media perspective, is you know we just came back from Montana and had an incredible world class do it yourself adventure in the backcountry of montana yep and killed a nice bear yep and like this is like a totally new experience for me yeah even, even though I, I mean i've done it several times now yeah but if you look at my whole life i did not grow up doing that kind of hunting yeah. and so it's like it's it's the bear encompasses such a massive range yep all these different methods of hunting and it's almost like i, I feel like you know, a guy just coming out here and just discovering this incredible world. We have, and so that's what much. you grew up doing. Yeah, but and you know what's funny to me is we talk about all the opportunities for bear hunters in North America, down to Mexico. There's bears. I that's mean, right. there's bears. There are black bears in old Mexico. Yep. We. I look at a group like the Wild Sheep Foundation. How successful they are. They've built that organization with hunters that may never hunt a wild sheep. Wow. They spend most of their money on wild sheep. They spend a lot of money going to wild sheep, which wild sheep are very, um, how do I want to say this? Uh, they're susceptible to disease. They're a fragile species, yeah. and, and yeah. we got to do a lot to protect them. And I don't discredit what they're doing. They've done an amazing job, and I hope one day I can. But people will spend erroneous amounts of money. I, I shouldn't say erroneous. They'll spend a lot of money. I'm going to get yeah. in trouble here. They'll spend a lot of money for a foundation for sheep and it's a species they may never get a hunt in their life right. meanwhile we have bears that you can buy tags for over the counter yeah and people i think take that for granted i think yeah. if bears were so obscure and so limited in opportunity we would maybe be in a different conversation right now we yeah. would be talking about something like the wild sheep does and they're like we have a bunch of people that really want to hunt sheep so they're going to spend the money to ensure that there's a future for sheep. We don't have a problem for the future of bears, really. Yeah. So people take for granted, like, if we didn't have That's a lot a of really bears. That's a really good perspective. I like it. Maybe people would be a little bit more in tune with bear hunting and bears and be like, hey, I'm going to I'm gonna do whatever it takes to so make sure there's we're bears. In the glory. What you're describing is the, 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 the good old days of bear hunting. I mean, let's, let's flip the equation, and all of a sudden the bear becomes a desirable game species for people to hunt, advocate for, and care about. Yep. Well, guess what? There's enormous amounts of opportunity. Tons. Any direction you drive. Yep. So it's like we're in the glory years. Yep. I mean, you, you take it back to your analogy of the sheep. Yep. Imagine if you could buy over-the-counter sheep tag in 20 states. Wouldn't be a or, big or, deal. You know, they would, it wouldn't be. They weren't naturally in that many. But but it wouldn't be that big of a deal. You know, the, the Wild Sheep Foundation as a foundation wouldn't probably be as successful as they are. And, right. and it's, it's, it's funny to me that it's like... When you have a species that's so readily available that you have such a tough time advocating for it and a tough time getting people to be passionate about it. Yeah. But you take a species that you may never hunt in your life and you're the biggest fan of that because you may never get to do it. You really want to yeah. one day. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is. Well, that's incredible stuff. That's incredible stuff. Um, hey, tell us a bear story. <laughs> uh, what What – like, have you you've encountered grizzlies? Yes, obviously. Yes, I mean, like, what's it? I've I you know hunting in Montana where we were at. 
There was certainly I th- possibility. I was ask you because there's there's surely some bear, grizzly bears in that country where you guys were. I mean, we were we were prepared. We had bear spray and Good. pistols. Good. Uh, I mean, like we were totally prepared to be in like real bear country. Yeah. But th- there's just not that many up there right where we were. We talked to people and they're like, you know, there's the odd grizz that comes through here, but it's certainly not like here. Like if we were hunting black bears yeah. right out here. I mean, you'd be in. It's like over here if I go hunting, you know, spot and stock hunting because we can't bait over here where okay. the grizzlies are. So we spot and okay. stock hunt over here. And yeah. I mean, it's literally like if I go out, I might for every six grizz maybe see one black bear. I'll be done. I mean, and it's it's the not, black bears don't want to be where the grizz are. Yeah, and that's a big concern of ours has been like, what is this population of grizzly bears done to our black bear population? You know, you put yeah. an apex predator on the landscape that they're fighting for the same food source as a black bear who's obviously not the same size and not as aggressive in nature. Yes. How well are they doing? You know, and so that's something that we've talked to. I've, 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 I've asked the department a lot about, and there's just not a lot of information yet. Yeah. So hopefully maybe well, one you, day you we can You can't imagine that, that they're winning. No. And w- there's a lot of black bears over here, but y- you tend to see them move around more in the daytime. Why the grizzly bears are moving more in the morning and at night, so and I think mm. you have to change your tactics. But you know the grizzly bears around here, I, I don't have as many stories while black bear hunting as I do just deer and elk hunting. Yeah. And just some f- fascinating encounters as far as you know, like having to have guns drawn on bears being so close, and 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 I've been lucky enough not to have one charge me. Um, I've had them next to my tent in backcountry. For hunting and you can hear them breathe and they're trying to get your deer meat out of your cache you know and wow. um you know there's a, a lot of stories of guys losing their animals to to grizzly bears you know after the kill and then i've been yes. lucky it's never happened to me but i know if i spend enough time over it's there it, it will you know and i've seen them up close really close and you know, I walk in in the dark and I hunt on foot a lot, you know, and so it's just a matter of time, but you got to be super vigilant. I mean, like, <clears throat> I you carry mean, bear spray on your chest. I carry a gun underneath my bino harness and then okay. I carry my bear spray on my hip okay. on my pack belt. Okay. So I always have two and I've never known, you know, I've actually had more scary encounters with black bears than I have grizzly bears, Is that right? but I've seen tons of grizzly bears. But most of them I've seen at a, at a distance, or I've seen them to where I'm like... You have time. I have time. Like last year, we were deer hunting, and uh, we were in an area we'd shot a deer the week before. So, okay, automatically, that's like, that carcass is like going to probably have a bear by there. And we've yeah. seen bears in that drainage a bunch. We knew an outfitter had been hunting the other drainage right next to it and shot some deer the day before. And so we were walking up, and there comes a Y to go in which drainage, and we picked the one on the right where the outfitter had been and seen a bunch of crows and stuff, and we wanted to push farther back in there, and it was just kind of like, all right, let's think about this. There's two carcasses at least up there from deer, and this is the prime time for grizzlies to be out, you know, scavenging these carcasses. Let's just be smart and turn around, you know. So you have to manage – I see. Manage the risk versus reward a lot, I think, in this country, yeah. you know, and like be yeah. be smart. But you know, um they're there and they're 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 just aggressive and they're not afraid of people, which is, is a problem. I mean wow. they, they they don't run like most black bears would, um, when you see them. I and I've seen little ones do it, but I've seen big ones just stare you down and just walk you like dude, just keep doing their thing. You're in my world, and and you better know that. Let me ask you a question: What does Joe Condellis pull when he sees a charging bear? 
That's such a great question. The spray. I've asked myself a million times. I wish I could do both with my rifle, (laughs) three-handed. I've asked myself so many times. You go through the scenario in your head. Because I think if you don't, you're being ill-prepared. Yeah. You have to understand what's going to happen and what could happen. And, and that's a crazy thing to think about every day when you go out hunting. Is yeah. like I could get Changes whacked. it, doesn't it? It does. It makes it way more real yeah. being out there and knowing that like at any minute you could come around a corner in your headlamp and there would be a, a sow with two cubs on that same trail and you're done. Yeah. And most attacks happen under five seconds. So that's what you got. And you got to make that decision in your head, and there's no way to prepare for that. So yeah. I think going over the scenario in your head, and <clears throat> in my mind, I've always I carry bear spray because they've proven it's they say it's successful in, in mitigating conflict. But like to me, it just seems like I'm grabbing my pistol. Okay. Now, is that the right thing to do? And I don't know. You know, bear spray becomes ineffective in the cold, wet, really cold. If it's windy, we're mm-hmm. in Wyoming. It's always windy. I mean, it's oh, always okay. windy out here. Okay. So if you got a gust going sideways and you you deploy your bear spray and it just blows, or she just gets a, you're you're getting it. Yeah. So I don't know. For me, like I in my pistol, I don't know why. I just think that I'll grab for that. Um, the one time up there two years ago, we had a bear come up off a carcass and was real curious. Didn't charge, but it came up to us, and I had my rifle down, but I had time. You know. I, I I don't know I <laughs> I think uh, I think I would grab my pistol, but you know what my my philosophy has been has been carry bear spray and pistol, which is yep. what we did in Montana. And if you have time and feel like you can mitigate the situation with a bear spray, yeah, obviously you pull the That's bear spray. The one. So if you're if you're at your camp and you see a grizz eighty yards away and you're like, oh crap, you know, you pull out the bear spray and, yep. you, and you're and you're ready. Yeah, but I feel like in the heat of the moment, you're grabbing your pistol. Yeah, your life and so death. So if that point. if you come around the corner, there's a bear, you're grabbing the pistol. Yeah, your that, life and death. And I think that's what I carry both. I think for that reason, you know, if you see one and you're like, okay, we might have a problem here, I'm ready. I got my bear spray off, my gun as a backup. But the the old joke around here is most guys carry both the bear spray to to prevent its charge and then the gun to end your life when you've been mauled and you're going <laughs> to die out in the woods you know okay. to, to ease your suffering but um i've been seeing i've been encouraged to see a lot more people that come out because there's a lot of people that'll come out here hunting that have no knowledge or they just refuse to think it's real uh, non-residents come out here deer hunting and they're gallivanting around no bear spray no pistol and they're just like what and i'm like Dude, do you know where you're hunting? Do some research. Wow. And so I've been encouraged to see a lot more people, and we've always tell people, like, get bear spray. And if you do carry a pistol, know how to use it. Because yeah. you could carry a pistol all you want. If you can't shoot it, you're not going to do any good. You just as well throw it at them and hope it hits them square in between the eyes, and then it's yeah. just going to make them more mad. So, yeah. And don't carry a pistol. That I carry a 10. Yeah. Um, That's I, what I I've carry. I've just been – Glock? Uh, it's a Kimber tin. Okay. Um, I've just been more doing a lot of research. Forty five is okay, but I think you want something like a ten to yeah. to for the stopping power. That's exactly what I carry. Yeah, yeah. and I, I carry it a lot of times when I'm baiting or if I'm just bear hunting. Hey, t- what what was your uh, heroin situation with a black bear? Well, I've had them. Um, I we <laughs> outside of Missoula uh, years and years ago. We shot a black. I shot a black bear and we couldn't find it, so we were stalking it. Uh, following the blood trail and it was down in this choked draw and uh, i'll never forget this but i was standing next to my buddy we were about 10 yards apart 
and I hit that bear. It was, it was. I was shooting down off of this ridge, and the bear was walking. I tried to hit him right here, and I hit him in the face. Mm. And so he's walking, and he's bleeding all over the place, you know. And mm. then he bedded down, and we walked right up on that thing, and it stood up on its hind legs, and it was like gonna come at my buddy. And and he's trained pistol guy, and like he pulled it out, and it was just like he couldn't even. I mean, like just a black bear, like d- couldn't even get it to. Like, bear turned around, wheeled off, went ran up the hill, and we shot it. But it was just like that quick, you know. And so, yeah. but I've had them climb tree stands, and you know, I've I've had them woofing at me. I had a sow and uh, two cubs. A sow put the run on me in the in the big hole, southwest Montana. Mm. Spotted this bear a long ways off, and that's all we could see was that one bear. So we make a run on it, and we got in the timber, and we're sneaking up. And I hear, you know, the the claws going yeah, up a tree and i'm like oh I climbed the tree and i just turned around to my right and she's woofing at me coming she stops and i'm like whoa so i figured mm-hmm. the cubs had climbed the tree you know oh, and so we turned around and walked back and then uh she kind of came back down the hill to make sure we weren't going to stick around and we got a look and she had two cubs climb up the tree you know i've had stuff like that and I haven't had them, you know, around here, I see all those videos, and, and I've hunted Canada where you got those bears that won't leave your bait. Right, that are just... We don't get that around here. No. Like, they won't... They're so nervous around people around here a lot of times, yeah. but I have had them, you know, like, when you're in the stand, or if they're pretty pretty good with you, like, sniff pretty hard, or, you know, chomp, or woof. I had yeah. a bear do that to me last year, but I think it's... I think it was more like, dude, I know you're there, but it's still like, you know, unnerving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So more like that, and and you know, but I've been very fortunate. And knock on wood, I haven't had an issue with the grizzly bear. But gosh, I could tell you fifty million stories of close friends and people around here that have, and it happens every year. We get guys getting mauled, or and, and it's not just hunters; it's hikers and everything else. And yeah. it's just you can do everything right that you can think of and it can still happen to you but yeah. we just have so many and, yeah, it's and it's a, just it's it's, it's a, just a chance you take inside grizzly you're country. you're fighting the odds i mean yeah anymore and, and uh, it's changed some of my elk hunting tactics like i can't backpack hunt i love to backpack hunt i can't backpack hunt elk in some of these areas because if i get an elk down in a grizzly area there's a good chance i can't get that elk out by myself you know five six miles in one trip so i'm gonna have to make multiple trips and and there's just a good chance on that next trip back and i don't have horses that there's going to be a bear on the on the carcass so yeah. it's like it's it's crazy to think that one animal can change what you do but you know wow. and i never thought it would but it, it, it does. does it does I hear you. it does and, wow. and they're remarkable to see out in the wild i had a mountain goat permit for the wilderness up here right on the edge of yellowstone park and uh, my best friend came down and hunted with me and he's like He's from southwest Montana. He's like, I've never seen a grizz in the wild. I was like, well, we were hunting behind this thing called the Bear Gate. It's a place mm. where they drop a lot of the bears that they have to relocate because you mm. can bring a culvert trap in there. Okay. And then the gate closes until July, and then in July to September, it's open. It's, it's a beautiful bear habitat, big, big peaks. It's gorgeous, right on the park border. And I said, well, bud, you're going to see some grizzly bears. And I said, if we don't have a close encounter, I'll be shocked. Well, we mm. hunted in there for seven days and didn't see one grizzly bear. He's like, dude, I hear all these stories, and I'm like, we were – I don't even know how happy I am and how lucky I feel. He's like, I just wanted to see one far away. And I was like, yeah. well – but we uh, – I mean, I could honestly – you could drive up the North Fork today and probably see one. Wow. Yeah, it's incredible. Wow. That is incredible. Well, hey, 
this has been a super good conversation. Yeah. Any, any closing thoughts? No, just keep up the good work, man. We need what you're doing out there. And, and you know, if anyone's hunting in the West, and, and, and we, I, I feel a lot of calls for guys trying to figure out how to bear hunt. You know, and yeah. like I said, that's what we're here for. We're not only a group out there building fences and, and keeping bears out of trouble. We're there for the bear hunter, the prospective bear hunter that wants to learn or has questions. Yeah. And, you know, um, that, that's what we're here for. And when you pick up the number, you get on our website, you, you call, you, you call me or you email me personally. And, and so we're yeah. really, we're really hands on that way. And, um, just love to talk. And we've met, so I've met so many people doing this that it's just been, it's been truly a pleasure. So, and finally get to meet you in person. It's been great. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it worked out today. And, uh, Hey, I'm going to say the exact same thing back to you. Yeah. Keep doing what you're doing, man. For real, I got a lot of respect for you. for what you guys are doing, and I I think it's really just the beginning. And I, and I, I mean, you see, I I just really believe that as the the status of the big game animal, the bear, continues to elevate, mm-hmm. that there's going to be more and more emphasis put on conservation and advocacy for yep. bear hunting. And you guys are the thing in the West right now. And we're I mean, hoping to. We're hoping to grow enough to where we're really effective in being that voice for bears yeah. and bear hunters in the West to where it's like we're the go-to. And, and I think in 20 years, you and I are going to sit down and just be, like, thankful we did what we did, even though yeah. that a lot of it was a struggle. I think we're doing the right thing for future generations, yeah. and that's important to me. Yeah, right on, man. Well, well, thanks, boys. Yes, that was great. Hey, I didn't even introduce to his. <laughs> I got Colby. Get a, we got to start over. Couldn't yeah. get a word in edgewise of playing. I uh, no, Colby. Colby just keeps me on track. Colby, <laughs> yeah. anything else we need yeah. to cover here? I mean, I guess the only thing I was thinking about is whenever you're thinking about different types of hunting, you just have to look for the challenges that that group does. So, I mean, my first bear hunt was last year, and it was on a baited hunt with an outfitter. Uh, and on the last, I saw a picture of that bear yeah. too. By the way, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. It was good. Um, but on the last day, there wasn't uh, like I wasn't on a hunt, so I went and I actually like ran the line with the outfitter and helped bait. And uh, man, I was I was dying out there. It was it's, a lot of work, even though he had a four wheeler and could get to him. Yeah, there's a lot yeah. of misconceptions about bait hunting, and I don't have to tell you because you do a lot of it and I put in a lot of work, a lot of time, and a lot yep. of money to do it. Mm-hmm. And I. I was talking that we had an event down in Rock Springs, and I'll make this short. We had an event down in Rock Springs, and uh, they all bait hunt down there, you know. And, and I, they're like, man, I'd love to go spot and stock hunt in Montana, this one couple. And I was like, well, if you do want to go, I can point you in some areas. And so I was talking to her on the phone the other day, and she's like, I don't need to do this with bait. I don't need to do this. She's like, holy crap. Spot and stock hunting sounds so much easier than bait hunting. And I'm like, it's not as easy to find them, but I said they all have their challenges. And I said bait hunting is time-consuming, and it's a lot of work if you're going to do it right. Houndsmen have other challenges. They got... The, the the amount of money they put into their dogs, three hundred sixty five days all of year round, just to hunt a few months out of the year. So every one of them has their challenges, like yep. you said. And I think it's key to to explain that to people. Like people I've never bait hunted, like I would love to take you, and so you can understand what it is. Yeah. You know, and yeah. just because you put bait out there doesn't mean you're going to shoot a bear. I mean, I wish yeah. it was that easy. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's awesome that you said that. Now I have a thing that I say in private, and I'll make it public here. I had I had a spot and stock guy giving me a hard time about bait and bear. I'm mean, a friend, totally. Yeah. We were just ribbing each other, and he was talking about how easy it would be to hunt bear over bait. And I said, "Wait a minute, you're telling me that you just wake up in the morning on the day you decide you're going to hunt and strut out to some hilltop 
glass a bear from a long ways away that doesn't know he's being hunted and walk over to him and shoot him from 200 yards. And I'm like, you're telling me that 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 sounds easy to me. You know, yeah. it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. It's just like you're hunting an animal that doesn't even know he's been hunted. Come on, man, that's not even fair chase. You know, you know it's a joke. I always say this. I have a joke too. I said, well, feeding bears is easy because they're going to eat, but yeah. killing them on bait is a totally different that's story. Right. I don't that's care right. how dialed in you are, and I I've been humbled. I just about the time I think I got bears figured out. I get a year where I'm just like, what am I doing? You yeah, know, they just yeah. totally will humble you. And it's like, that's why I love them so much. And their individual qualities and every bear, they're like people. Every bear is different. And some days they're in good moods and yep. some days they're in crappy moods. And a cool thing about baiting that I, I grew up spot and stock hunting and it's my passion. I love it. Um, but I never got to really observe and be around bears like I do now baiting. There's no other hunt for north american big game that you get to interact as closely with an animal for as long a period of time as a baited black bear hunt and it'll change your view and your respect level for bears when you get to sit there i mean i was in alberta hunting and it got dark and you know in canada and i did a similar thing i brought my own four-wheeler up and i ran baits and i did i was like you're not and i was up there for like 10 days and i hunted this one bait for this whopper bear they had on camera and i sat I sat the last day, I sat from morning until dark and didn't leave there, and that dumb thing never came in. But that, like 10 other bears came in, and by the mm. by, it got dark, it was like 11 or 12. And I was like, well, I'm going to walk down to my four-wheeler. It's dark, and this bait's like seven yards away. And there's bears, the one sow came up the dang tree, and it was just western in there, and I loved mm. every second of it. But I'll never forget, as long as I live, and I get chills talking about it, they baited with a lot of beef and meat scraps up there, and you can hear those things down there snapping bones. Yeah. And these aren't even whopper bears, you yeah, know, five-footers. Yeah. They're just snapping bones and crunching, and I, you had to crawl down the stand. The barrel's here, like, right across from it, and you had to kind of go in between the stand and the barrel at, like, 80 <laughs> yards to get out of there, and I'm like... Here we go, man. Here you know? we go. <laughs> what a live, what a way to feel alive. But yeah, everything's. But baiting has made it to where I can really pay attention to bears. And I don't know how many years I've not shot bears, and I've just sat there for nights and just watched yeah. them and took pictures and just yeah. loved being that close and just seeing them. And gosh, their mannerisms—they're amazing. I, I can yep. talk about them forever. Yeah, right that, that baited hunt is what taught, like gave me that appreciation for yeah. bears because they just. Every single one had a different characteristic or mannerisms or the That's way awesome. that they acted. So it was just like knowing that they have a personality. Like the spot and stalk, spoiler alert, it kicked my butt. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you went from Arkansas to, to Montana. Yeah. It's just a whole different style of challenge. It is. Yeah. It's just a different, it different is. style They all challenge. offer their own challenges, and, and not one's worse than the other or better than the other. They're all awesome, and I, I've yet to do a hound hunt. That is my – I'm going to – I was going to try and do one this year, and I got that grizzly tag, so that went on the on the schneid. So I've got to get behind hounds chasing bears one of these days. Whether yeah. I take one or not, I just want to do it. I've chased yeah. cats with dogs, but I want to do a bear one so bad uh, yeah. I, because I, I want to experience it all, and I know that's yeah. not going to be easy either. I, I just yeah. love it. Just a whole different challenge. Every one of them, that's what's so cool about it, all these different challenges. Well, hey, we better wrap it up here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. Thanks a bunch, Joe. Good yeah, to, thank you guys. Good to be here. And keep the wild places wild because that's where the bears live. We will.
You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. 